Meet the One for All card. Perfect for Aunt Edith, your dog walker, and even what's-his-name. With over 100 great brands and no fees, it's the one gift for all. Available in stores and at giftcards.com. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. We're in the uh, last week of this series called Chasing Carrots, where we are learning uh, what it's like to chase carrots. What do carrots represent? Carrots represent all the stuff we kind of uh, strive for, the stuff we try to get. Uh, money, prestige, fame, uh, cars, houses, uh, women, men, whatever it is, whatever you're striving for, this carrots represent that. Now, I can go down here to, to Logan, and Logan, you don't really care for those carrots, do you? No big deal. Those carrots don't really mean much to him or anything like that. But if I change the, the, what the carrots were, and this is what the carrot represents, if I stick this on there... Logan, I bet you want that carrot now, don't you? Don't you want that carrot, Logan? Don't you even think about it. Nope, <laughs> not yours. Not going to happen. Good try. I'll take that out of there right now. Uh, yeah, so we all, we all have different carrots that we chase after for in life. And so that's what this series has always been about. It's been about the endless pursuit of more. When is enough enough? When do we just say, okay... I have a good enough car. I don't need another car. I have a good enough uh, house. I don't need a bigger house or a better house with more rooms to clean. I can't even clean the rooms I have now or the bathrooms I have now. Um, when, do, when do we say enough is enough, that I'm satisfied with what I have? And that's kind of what this series has all been about. It's about learning when we are, find ourselves at a place of contentment, at a place of Ha, huh, I, I feel good about where I'm at, and you know what? God has the rest. Uh, and so it's all about the stuff in life. It kind of reminds me of this story of a preacher that was um, going out and doing visitations around to different houses, and he, was, he didn't have a car, he had a bike. And so he used his bike, and he would, he would go around to the parishioners, and he would go and visit them at their houses. And as he was riding his bike one day, he saw this lawnmower out in this front lawn. This kid said, you know, for sale or trade on the lawnmower. And he thought, hey, I, I need a lawnmower. I'm going to go and ask this kid how much he wants for it. So he goes up and he says, hey, son, um, how much for the, the lawnmower? And he said, well, you know, all I really want is enough money to get a bike. And the preacher thought, hey, I have a bike. How about this? Would you trade the lawnmower for my bike? He said, well, let me try it out. So he takes it around the block, comes back, says, sir, you have a deal. That's a great deal. The, the lawnmower is yours. I get the bike. So the preacher goes home, and he's at home, and he's going to go mow his lawn. He goes to pull on the, the, the rope of the lawnmower, and it won't start. So he goes back over to the young boy. He says, listen, you gave me this lawnmower, but it won't start. He says, well, the little boy says, well, that's because you got to cuss at it. you got to cuss at it to get it to work. you gotta, you got to pull, and when you cuss at it, it'll start working. And the preacher was like, wait, wait, I can't, really, I can't really just rightly cuss at this thing. In fact, it's been so long since I cussed, I don't really know how to cuss. He said, pull that string long enough, it'll come back to you pretty fast. <laughs> All about stuff. So we're, we're on this journey, and I want to recap with you. I'm going to walk you through the weeks. If you've missed it, they're all online, but just to kind of give you an idea of what we've learned. What we've learned is when we chase carrots, this constant pursuit, this endless pursuit of more, we find ourselves at a place that's kind of a perplexing place of trying to figure out 
What do we do when we, whenever we can't find satisfaction? How do we find contentment? And uh, the very first week, I gave you some good news and I gave you some bad news. The good news was what? Say it with me. The good news is what? Yeah, we're rich. What's the bad news? The bad news is we're rich. Uh, the good news is I'm rich. The bad news is I'm rich. The good news is I'm rich because we can do good things with the riches that God gave us. Now, some of you are sitting there and you say, well, I don't feel rich. And the reason why you don't feel rich is because you don't view your wealth or your riches in the way that Scripture would have us view them. In fact, many of us would say, I'm not rich. I'm struggling. I'm suffering. In fact, I'm very poor. I'm a poor person. That's what some, many of you would say here today. But remember, on the global scale, and because we live in the greatest country that has ever existed, can someone say yes, yes, yes? And the highs and lows, the goods and bads, politics, no politics, whatever it is, it does not matter. We still live in an amazing country. I'm proud to be an American. I'm the only one in the house. <laughs> only one in the house. See, see, and I'm going to get on my platform here in just a little bit. I'll step on it just a minute. See, we're actually teaching our young people that it's not okay to be proud to be American, but I'm telling you, we should be proud to be America, one of the greatest countries that has ever existed on the face of the planet. There, that's what I want to hear, a little bit of excitement from you guys. Listen, I am proud of the men and women who have served to give me the freedoms that I've had. I am proud of the men and women who serve us today in this community, the men and Blue, the people who go and help us protect our community. This is the greatest country. And so I'll just get on my platform a little bit and say, I'm proud to be an American and we are greatly blessed. And because we are blessed, if you make $45,000 a year combined household income, you're in the top 1% of income in all the world. $45,000. And some of you sit there and say, well, I make $80,000. Well, guess what? You're in a smaller percentage. You, you make even more money than the majority of the people in the world. This is why we are so rich. It's because we have been given so much. It's very, very good news. It means you can buy cars. It means you have garages to put your cars in. It means you have clothes. Not only do you have clothes, but you have walk-in closets to put your clothes into to protect them from the elements. You have great riches that we have been blessed with. Now, you may look at somebody else and say, well, they have more. Exactly, but you have more than some others because wealth is a moving target. It's a moving scale. We never wake up one day and all of a sudden we say, oh, I got a raise. I'm not wealthy. Today I'm wealthy. We never get to that place because it's a moving target. But the fact is because of where we live and because of what we've been blessed to have, we are rich. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is you're rich. Why? Because our riches distract us from the greater good. Our riches distract us from the things that maybe God would want us to be attracted to. Uh, see, the problem with being rich is it's hard for us to depend on God. It makes it hard for us and increasingly hard for us to depend on God. It distracts us from true priorities in life, the things that really matter. And the riches that we have, the, the bad news is uh, we have a greater responsibility to do good with the riches that God has given us. See, so the good news is you're rich. The bad news is you have a responsibility because of the riches God has given you. Now, I find it interesting. I find it very interesting, in fact, that this message came at this time of the year. 
Don't you find it interesting that I've been talking with you now for four weeks about where you put your trust and where you put your hope in and where you put your stock in and our investments this week plummeted. Now, I'm not saying God did that to teach us all a lesson because I'm not that good, right? But I believe that God knows the timeliness of God's word. And I believe that God wanted to show, if you, if you saw this week, what was it, 20% drop this week? Was that what it was? It was about 20, huh? 12? Close enough. Might as well have been 50, you know? I mean, if you are stressed out about your money and about your income because you watched what the stock market did this week, you have to ask yourself, where are you putting your priorities? Where are you putting your trust? Because when we trust in the wealth of the world, we will always fall short. But when we trust in the wealth of God, we will never be dismayed. The good news is you're rich. The bad news is you're rich. And we had a key statement that I'm going to build on again today. I started the first week. Here's what it said. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. Say that with me. God has blessed me with more than we need. We're we're rich. Our second week, we learned that because riches are so good and bad, that wealth is deceitful. Wealth will deceive us. See, Satan wants us to serve money. Satan wants us to to worship at the altar of, of Benjamin, at the altar of money. Satan wants us to be consumed with the money in our lives. And people who love and serve and trust money, here's, the, here's three things I told you. They never have enough money. People who love and trust money never have enough money. Here's what it says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever li- loves wealth never satisfied with their income. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves and trusts money never has enough money. Whoever loves and trusts money never uh, has money in the bank but no peace in their hearts. And the third thought was, uh, whoever loves and trusts money finds it increasingly difficult to give big. That means if you love and trust money, you believe it's yours and you can't give big. You can't do something special for that single mom who needs a new car because she's got to get her kids from point A to point B. You can't just go get a car and give big. Why? Because if I give her some of that, I'll lose it. And so those who love and trust money never have enough have money in the bank, no peace in their hearts, and find increasingly to give big. Uh, Studies show that people who make more give less, and people who make less actually percentagely give more. People who make a million dollars a year, percentage-wise, give less of their income than those that make $10,000 a year, statistically stating Why is that? Well, because the more you make, the bigger your stack, the more you have to give. And the more you have to give, it seems like, well, that seems a little bit odd that I would have to give that much. Here's what 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager to get money, get wealthy, have wandered from their faith and pierce themselves onto many griefs. When we pursue money, we forget 
It's not for me, it's for God. So our first week, we said God has blessed us with more than we need. I'm rich. Our second week, key statement was this. But I will not trust in the riches, but in him who richly provides. I will not trust in the world. I will trust in God Almighty who richly provides. Last week, I asked the question, why did God make us rich? And I used the fry box, the fries, my fries. These are my fries. And uh, whenever there are fries, we don't want to share them with anybody. And I, I use it as that, that is what we do with money is we say, those are our fries. And I will do what I want with my fries. God, don't tell me I made it. I earned it. Now, don't tell me how to spend it. And this is part of the, the misconception. We believe if we get the fries, there are fries. But if I told you last week, like with my daughter, Lily, and uh, she thought it was her fries, I reminded her, I'm the fry king, right? I'm her, I provided the fries, and therefore I get to tell her what to do with the fries. To this day, I am the fry king in Lily's life. Oh, she's not here. She's over teaching. So I asked the question last week, why did God make us rich? Why did God make you wealthy? Why did God give you the job you have, the income you have? Why did God help you, uh, allow you to be born in this country, in this great land that we are so blessed to be in? And here's, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 11. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through, uh, and through as your, and, and I'm sorry, and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Why did God make us wealthy? So that we can be generous to other people, so we can be generous. Why did, it, why did God make America wealthy? God made America wealthy so we could be generous to many nations around the world. Why do we get wealthy? Because we are to be generous. And, uh, and I, I challenged you last week that not only did God make us rich, but we're going to give more to God than we ever have before. We're going to give more. How do we give more? We're intentional about it. We first off, we return 10% of our first income back to the storehouse of God. That's called the tithe. And I, I remember the pie I showed you last week on the video that, you know, you can pay all your bills and you kind of leave the leftover part for God at the very end. And and God will still bless you, but not nearly as much as if you take 10% out of the beginning of the pie, set it aside, said, God, this is yours. You've blessed me with it. Now I'm going to trust you that you can do more with 90% than I can with 10. You can do more with 90%. I'm sorry, than I can with 100. You do more with 90% in my life then I can do with 100% in my life because I'm going to honor you. So last week we talked about returning to God the first 10% of your income. And some of you, last week, some of you took the step of faith. And I want to tell you <clears throat> that's just the beginning. If you haven't been with us on Sunday nights, you, uh, uh, Dave Ramsey's been teaching us some different lessons. And one of the things that he says, he said this, and some of you will experience this, is that the very first time that you set out to tithe and you set out to give, What's interesting and what's very strange is many times something major will take place and make you question that giving. And it's just that God is, God, is a, God is allowing you to go through the test of, do you really believe? Because he said this in Malachi, 
Test me and see that I will not, if you put the first 10% and return it to God, you think you have financial strain now. I'm just going to tell you, if you're not tithing, you're not tithing right now, and you're under financial stress, and you say, Pastor Kevin, there is no way that my family could honestly take 10% and give back to God when we're barely making it as it is. I'm here to tell you, don't trust me. Trust God when he says, test me and see that I can do it. I can do more with 90, with your faith and trust in me, than you can with 100. I've watched it time and time again in my own life. I've watched it in other people's lives. I've watched it in the church's life. We told a story last week uh, in our Sunday night group that uh, it was, I would say, roughly 13 years ago, 14 years ago, whenever we as a board was challenged to tithe 10% of our general donations that come into the church, 10% back to missions to go beyond these walls, 10%. Every dollar that came in, 10 cents going back to missions. Every dollar that went in, we were challenged by it. I remember the discussion and how hard it was to take that step of faith. And one of the things that was spoken was, we ask our people to do it every single day. Why aren't we doing it as a church leadership? for the church finances. And from that point on, we decided to do it. And let me tell you, back then, we didn't know how we were gonna keep the lights on. We were struggling to keep things moving ahead. And we had watched from that point on, halfway through the year, we watched God do an increase upon increase upon increase. Because why? We tested and we know that God's word, he does not lie. He does not need to lie. There's no reason for it. He's the keeper of the resources. So I challenge you today and last week, Tithing, 10% first belongs to God, and tithing increases your faith that God's going to take care of you. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, but just as you excel in everything, so excel in the grace of giving. And our key statement goes like this, builds upon builds. It says, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich, but I will not trust in the riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and more and more. So today, to bring this thing in for a landing, have you ever heard the statement that says, money changes people? Anybody ever heard that statement, money changes people? Raise your hands if you heard it. Participate with me. Money changes people. Have you ever heard the statement, money changes me? Nobody. Yeah. We don't really hear that money changes me, but we hear money changes people. Well, last I checked, we're all people. So if money changes people, that means money changes me. Think about it in your own personal life. If you once were scraping and scrounging as a, maybe a young person or a young couple, newly married, and you were just trying to make ends meet, trying to pay the bills and trying to keep things going, you know, think about Christmas time. Uh, when Christmas time rolled around, you budgeted everything. You figured out how much it was going to cost for this, and you said, I'm only going to spend such and such and such and such, and you budget everything. Fast forward in your life as you make more money, you make more income. Isn't it amazing how that's not as important? It's not as important to budget. Why? Because, well, we have a little more resources. Why? Money has changed me. I remember whenever uh, going to restaurants, uh, my my number one goal was how to feed a family on three to four dollars at a restaurant. Doing the math. 
We got to get out of her $16. That's it. Kids menu. We're going to order off of it. Let's go. Dad's not good enough for it. You're not too good. Order kids menu. And now I went yesterday to this wonderful place. Now it's up to six bucks a person. It's killing me. But money changes us to a person who doesn't know who Christ is. Maybe it isn't a God follower or, or uh, is not, uh, doesn't walk with God to a person outside the church. It changes them pro- possibly in a bad way. Uh, could change them to do bad things. Could change them to be full of themselves and conceited. Inside the church, though, we kind of spiritualize money a little bit. We make it, uh, we make it very pseudo-spiritual. And you're like, well, yeah, but I'm not really into money. We always say that. We're always like, yeah, I'm not really into money. But the fact is, we all know money makes the world go around and around. And money makes things happen. Um, and the world throws it away like it's nothing. God today is going to do this for us. At the end of this message, as we kind of come in for a landing, here's what I want to say is God is testing us. God is testing us on the heels of this message here on March 1st, 2020. God is testing you. He's testing me in the area of money. This is what Jesus said. Luke 16, verse 10 through 11, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with very, I'm sorry, can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches. He's saying, listen, you're up for a fry test. What are you going to do with them? You trust with a little. That's all. If you're dishonest with this, how could he give you any more to go with it? If he can't trust you, To return to him 10%, how can he give you more that you'll think is for you? He's testing us today. How do we fail the test? Let me tell you, I'm going to give you a secret how you fail the test. Here's how you fail the test about being rich. Jesus said it this way, Luke chapter 12, verse 16 16 through 19. It says, on the, uh, the ground a certain man produced a good crop. He brought he brought. He, taught, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store the grain and the goods in that barn. And I'll say to myself, the farmer says, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, sit back, and enjoy your days. How do we fail the test? We fail the test by believing that more is for me. We fail the test by believing that more is always for more of what I get out of it. 
In your own language, it's, it's kind of like this. I get a raise. The raise is for me to get more stuff. The raise is always for me. I save a little bit here, that's because I want new clothes, or I want another car, or I want this new gadget. I will do it because why? More is always for me. The raise is for new stuff. The raise is for vacation. The raise is for new life. What about this? What about if you get the raise? It's 20 bucks a week. And instead of thinking it's for you, you figure out a way to get margin. You say, you know, 20 bucks a week is 80 bucks a month. And at 80 bucks a month, I can sponsor a missionary that's going into another part of the world and telling someone about Jesus. And I can send this $80 to help them continue the gospel. See, how we fail the test is we believe more is mine. We don't create margin. We don't create any extra space because we consume everything that comes in. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. So the minute we get our check, we've already spent it. We already got it going some places because why? I need more. Chasing carrots, the endless pursuit of more. Luke 12, 20 says, but God said to him, to this man that said, I'm going to tear down my barns, I'm going to build bigger ones, and I'm going to have room to spare. God says to this man, continue reading, it says, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get all that you have prepared for yourself? Who's going to get it then? This is how it will be to anyone who stores up things for himself. They are not rich towards God. It's basically saying, listen, you can plan for tomorrow, but tomorrow is no guarantee. So instead of storing up for what is tomorrow and what is in the unknown, live and enjoy what is now and allow God to use it for others' lives. This man was a farmer. What does a farmer do? A farmer provides one thing, only one thing a farmer provides. You might know what that is, the seed. And he didn't even provide the seed. He had to go out and find it. God provides the soil. God provides the rain. God provides the sun. And God even says, I make it grow. Yet this man was so arrogant in his thinking that he had something to do with it. He had nothing to do with the increase of the harvest. It had everything to do with God. But yet, he wanted to take all the credit. See, believing that more is for you is not the way to be rich. It's the way to be selfish. It's how you fail the test. God is testing you today. What will you do with the riches that, and the wealth that God has given you. How do we pass the test? Leads us to, how do we pass the test? Stand on your feet with me this morning as we read God's word that tells us how we are going to pass the test. Read along with me today. Command those who are rich in this present world. Stop right there. Who are the rich in this present world? Who are the rich in the present world? Say, I am. We are. Who, command those who are rich. He's talking to us. Command those who are rich in this present world, read along with me, to, to not be arrogant nor put their hope in their 
which is what? So uncertain to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command those to what? Do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and what? Willing to share your fries. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly what? Life. Father, speak to our hearts, God, as we bring this message to conclusion. Open us up to hear your truth and be changed by it, to trust you, to pass the test. You're testing us, God. Will we pass? Completely up to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Last point I want to give you. God has blessed us with more than what I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in the riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more. And here's the last point. And I will do more. I'm not only going to give more, I'm going to do more with my life. You may, you may believe that more is for you, and if you believe more is for you, you have failed the test. Just give me the answers. What is the answer? The answer is to believe that more is that you may do more. How do we do more? How do we give more? We create margin in our lives and ask God to bless it. What is margin? Margin is on my, use my, uh, I'll use my Bible as an illustration. Margin is the little space, the, the blank space that I can write on in my Bible. I can write little notes on there and I write little thoughts that I have and things like that, in the margins of my paper. Margin is the area that we create to be able to do more. And some of you today, you have the opportunity to create some margin financially. You may have $5 a week or $10 a week that you can set aside to say, you know what, I am blessed with so much, I'm rich, but I'm not going to trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. And because I have more, I will give more and I will do more. So God, whatever I have this week, I'm going to set aside, say $10. And here's, here's what God will do. God will put in front of you someone who needs $10. You'll, maybe you'll, you know, sometimes you have those I don't have my wallet on me, but you guys know in wallets and purses, you have secret compartments. No one can find any stuff in there. It's your stuff, right? You have a secret compartment. And maybe you take and you, you put a little bit back in your secret compartment, and that's your, that's your secret, generous, giving money. So whenever you're out and you're driving, and there's a person on the corner and they're a disabled vet, and you can look at them, and you kind of be like, oh, are they really disabled, or blah, 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 and you judge them, you know, probably like we all do initially. The Holy Spirit then begins to say, hey, remember that margin you created? Remember that $20 you tucked back in your secret place? Why don't you give it now? Give it to them. Well, 
What if they go out and get alcohol with it? So what? What's that, what's that to you? I want you to obey and give because you have more, give more, and do more. And you'll, you'll take that out and you'll, you'll give that to them and you'll drive off and something inside of you, the Holy Spirit will say, see, that's how to be rich. That's the true beauty of not letting money be the rule of our lives, but letting God speak to us about how to live generously. The Bible says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but the foolish devour everything. The wise have enough to go around. The foolish consume it all. The wise create margin in their financial world where they can be generous with the drop of a hat because God says so, where the foolish consumes it all and they say, I really want to help, but I don't have anything. See, instead of the more I make, the more I spend mentality, it goes to the more I make, the less I spend, the more margin I create so that God, you can do something great in someone else's life. So when it comes down to missions trips and when it comes down to uh, helping someone else go, maybe, maybe you can't go on the missions trip, but God has blessed you with more and you have, you have been blessed with more and you have these, this margin created and you have an extra hundred dollars and you say, I want to help someone else go to Panama and serve there. And you, you just put it in the offering. You say, this is for Panama missions, whatever it needs to go to. You say, wow, that'd be pretty cool. Some of you, some of you, and I've had people say this, so I've had people come to me and say, you know, God's created me with so much margin. I've been blessed so much. I've been sacrificing. I have $1,000 that I want to help someone, help send someone on a missions trip. And I look at them and I say, guess what? I have someone who needs $1,000 to go on a missions trip. And you are the answer to the prayer. You're being rich with generosity. Because we have more, we will give more. We take our 10 we return to God, and we make margin to give more and do more. Remember, Satan will always tell you give when. Give when you're out of debt. Give when your student loans are paid off. Give when the car is paid off. Give when, uh, when you got your credit cards all taken care of. Give when, give when, give when. But God always says give now because God can do more with 90 than you can with 100 over and over again. Chase carrots. Instead of chasing carrots, we're going to pursue Christ. We're going to pursue God. We're going to trust God that he's going to bring us through. Some of you sit here today, you say, I'm not rich, Pastor Kevin. The reason why you say that is because you don't feel rich. Because you don't feel rich, you don't act rich. And because you don't act rich, you try to figure out how to get rich. And you can't get rich because you haven't realized who really is the wealthiest one of all, and that's God himself. And when we put him first, he will provide all the riches we could ever imagine. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. Can we say this? Let's just, 
Let's just say this today. You put the last, here's our final key thought that kind of summarizes everything. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in our riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. Father God, help us today to honor you with our tickets, to honor you with our fries, to honor you with our treasures. So easy to hold on to everything and say, it's for me, God, but that's how we fail the test. Instead of a closed hand, Lord, we open our hands up and we say, freely we have received and freely we give. You're testing us, God. You're testing us. Test me and see that as we put our tithe, our 10%, and return it back to you, that you will not open the floodgates of heaven and bless us beyond our imaginations. Test us. With your head bowed and eyes closed today, God's testing you. Some of you today sitting here and going through this series and maybe starting off, you were kind of put off by it, and now you're kind of not so put off by it. Now you're kind of opened up to it. Let me just say this to you today. God is testing you. He's testing you to see where will you put your trust in your wealth? Will you put your trust in the wealth that you have or in the wealth of who God is? Where will you put your trust today? God is testing us today. Because we have more, we will give more and we will do more. Some of you are going to write a check. Some of you are going to make a commitment for the first time. 90-day challenge, CrossFit 90-day challenge about giving. You're going to step up and say, I want to do it because I believe that God can do more with 90 than I can with 100. So I'm going to test him for 90 days, three months, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to see, and I'm going to observe, and I'm going to believe that God can do more. Those of you today, you're being tested. Others of you, you've already been given the 10%. God's testing you to see if you'll give more. Because you have more, you're going to give more and do more. Give more and do more. It's going to call you to a greater step of faith. Increase your faith in giving. Father God, help us today with our resources to not chase the endless pursuit of more, but to focus our lives on you. Test us and may we pass the test well. I thank you, God, for each person who is here. I pray that, God, each person would commit to give whatever they have decided in their hearts with not no compulsion, no manipulation, just out of the sincere desire that, God, they want to allow you to be in charge of their finances, of their resources. God, thank you so much for your blessing. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkiakuk.com.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.